This teaching comes to you from the team at St Mark's Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. So Psalm 8. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And out of the mouths of babes and infants, you have founded a bullock against your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've established, what are human beings that you're mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? And yet you've made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour. You've given them dominion over the works of your hands and you've put all things under their feet, all the sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields and the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, whatever path passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thanks, Michael. Well, good morning. My name's Tim. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to be with you all, opening God's word together. Let's pray as we come to hear what God has to say. Our Lord, we ask that you would give us your grace, give us your spirit to hear your word today. Help us to receive it into our hearts and to express it in our lives for the glory of your great name. Amen. Well, how can we be truly authentic people, authentic humans? One version says that we need to cast off the expectations on us and instead be true to ourselves, live according to the needs and expressions of our inner selves. As Brene Brown puts it, to let go of who we're supposed to be and embrace who we are. To let go of who we're supposed to be and embrace who we are to own our opinions, to express our emotions, to hold our own convictions deeply and avoid the herd and instead decide what's right and wrong for ourselves and to then live out our own truth. You know, in one sense, there's something deeply Christian about the drive to be authentic because when we're authentic, we're living in a way that reflects who we really are. We're telling the truth about ourselves. And we're reflecting the way that God made us to be. And yet, seeking to live authentically like this can be, well, maybe a bit self-absorbed. Trying to be true to yourself all the time, always feeling the need to express yourself when pushed too far, can end up, we can end up isolating ourselves and alienating others. Living anti-socially in order to be yourself. So how can we be fully authentic humans in a way that really reflects who we are, but that really makes a positive difference and connects us in a positive way with each other and with our God? Well, this week we're continuing in this series on the book of Psalms. We've taken just a handful of them to kind of put them on as spectacles, as glasses for looking at the world clearly and seeing God, seeing reality, seeing ourselves clearly through the Psalms. And today we're asking what this Psalm, Psalm 8, says about being human. 
who we are, what we're made for, and how we can be truly and authentically human. It doesn't tell us everything the Bible says about what it means to be human, but it's essential, it's an essential starting point. So keep Psalm 8 open in front of you, and let's look at it together. And look at the first verse. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This opening exclamation of praise shows us, demonstrates to us, the first way that we can be authentically human, and that is by praising God. Praising God. You know, it's no mistake that this psalm, the only one that's all about humanity, is also the only psalm that is entirely a direct praise to God. Only one about humanity, yet the only one that's entirely a direct praise to God. Because if we want to know about ourselves, we need to start with God. John Calvin, the Swiss reformer in the 16th century, said that there are two base, only two basic forms of knowledge, knowledge of God and knowledge of ourselves. And, if he, and he said that if we want to know ourselves, we must start with knowing God. He said, man never achieves a clear knowledge of himself unless he has first looked upon God's face. And what is it that the psalmist sees and praises about God? What's well, that his name is majestic in all the earth and that his glory is above the heavens. God's name captures everything about him. Names, sometimes we, we, we name our children names and sometimes they're kind of arbitrary. But... Uh, but then you can tell a lot, of it, a lot about someone's name. You know, you can, their names indicate socioeconomic status. They can indicate when someone was born. You know, there's, you can kind of tell if someone's called Dorothy or Shazza or Alistair Abercrombie III, kind of maybe where they're from or when they were born. But God's name captures everything about him. It's a way of talking about who he is and what he's done. His name is Yahweh, and in the Old Testament that meant this God who was holy and just, compassionate and merciful for his people. And for us, this Yahweh is also named the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ whose majestic, lifeless body on the cross saved the world from slavery, sin, death and the devil. God's name captures everything about who he is and what he's done. And God's glory is a way of speaking about God's overwhelming presence. It's fearsome brilliance. You know, when God showed himself just a glimpse of his glory to Moses, Moses was overcome. When the disciples saw a glimpse of Jesus' true glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, they were speechless. They were speaking confused words. They didn't know what to say. The Gospel of John talks about Jesus' glory being in his torn flesh and broken body on the tree that shows us his immense self-giving love. And so when we praise this name, when we praise this, recognise this glory of God, our creator, our sustainer, our saviour, that is when we are living 
authentic human lives. That's why even babes, babies and infants can become strong against foes, enemies and avengers because they can recognise and acknowledge God's majesty and glory. Little kids with their scratched knees, their delicate bones and innocent naivety have more power than the most powerful evil forces when the when these children take their name take god's name on their lips you know we must be at darling point one of the most qualified highly educated highly high earning congregations in australia but when our children and grandchildren who haven't even passed primary school don't earn a cent when they praise our Lord, they are orders of magnitude more significant than all of our degrees, positions, portfolios put together. And there's a deep paradox in this. Even the weakest and least knowledgeable among us are most intelligent and powerful through recognising the true God and praising him. And so the bottom line here is if you want to be truly and authentically human, this is the first step. Acknowledging God's majesty and glory and praising him for it. And, you know, when, so when we come together on a Sunday morning and the first thing we do is we sing praises to God, we are being authentically human together. And so we don't just kind of, kind of mumble the words in a half-distracted way. We live out authentic humanity by praising God. And when we pray, when we pray each day and we praise God with our lips, we're being authentically human. And when we live our lives, not just our lips, but our whole lives, as praise to God, as a sacrifice of praise, then we're being truly authentically human. But now that we've looked at God, we can now turn to begin to look at ourselves. And when the psalmist looks from God to humans, look at what he sees. Look at verses 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Mortals that you care for them. The heavens, the universe, is full of thousands of trillions of stars and hundreds of times more than that of planets and moons. It's so big that it takes billions of years for light to travel across just what we know of the universe and who knows what lies beyond that. Yet all of that immense size and majesty is like a little clay model being pushed and formed by the very fingers of God. And we humans are but the tiniest fragment of that immense universe. We're in one galaxy out of 200 billion galaxies revolving around one star in 200 million stars in our galaxy. If the whole 
timeline of the universe was shrunk down into one year, your life would have only existed for 0.2 of a second. And humanity would have only existed since after dinner on the last day. When we look at this immense universe, we are tiny, insignificant creatures. Our lives flourish and then disappear like dandelions. Our flesh is so weak and frail, our minds can only just start to grasp at the reality of the universe. Now, at times we've thought, well, we're humans, we're special, our intelligence is, is unique, our communication is unique, no one else, nothing else communicates like us, or our, the way we cooperate. But animals have the same kinds of abilities that we do. Fish cooperate. Whales and birds communicate. Monkeys can even learn economic exchange. But don't tell the accountants or traders. And we are, like the rest of creation, mortals. Literally sons of Adam, the one who comes from the earth, from the dirt, who will return to the dust. We are dirt and dust. In the, eyes of the, in the eyes of the universe, our species is no more special than the sparrows. If you want to live authentically, this is the next step. Compare God's glory and majesty with your insignificance and be humbled. Ask, <laughs> who are we? that God should pay attention to us. Who am I that God should care for me? And yet, and yet he does. We like to think that we're independent and capable, that we can withstand any obstacle that comes our way, overcome any crisis, financial, environmental, geopolitical. We'll find a way. But remember, we are just as dependent on God as every other creature. We rely on him absolutely for rain, food, provision, for every breath. Sometimes we overcome by God's grace and provision, but other times we don't. Progress isn't inevitable and disasters will always happen. Whatever we might have done to prevent these fires or make them less serious, in the end, we have met our limits. We met our limits at Chernobyl. We met our limits in the Boxing Day tsunami, in the financial crashes that have come and gone and will continue to come. We've met our limits when our relationships crumble, when we run out of time at the end of the day, when our wealth disappears and when we succumb to illness. And so living authentically means recognising and accepting our insignificance, our limitations, and living in daily dependence on God. And yet, that's not the whole story about people, about humanity, is it? Because we are not completely insignificant. In fact, despite our insignificance and dependence, God treats us, all of us. Not only treats us, he has made us, each of us, like royalty. Look at verse 5. Yet you, God, have made them, 
humanity, a little lower, just a little lower than God, and crowned them with glory and honour. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands and have put things, all things, under their feet. Despite our tiny, frail insignificance, God has given us glory and honour and dominion over his creation. One way of speaking about this is, is speaking about it as us being in God's image. That's the way Genesis 1 speaks about it. Just down the road somewhere, I can never find my direction when I'm in this building, uh, we have the QVB and the statue of Queen Victoria just out the front. All over the British Empire, whether we like it or not, stand these kinds of images, partly as symbols of royal authority in our land. That's why she sits enthroned, holding a scepter. In the ancient world, kings were understood as images of God. They're God's representative ruler. And then so around the ancient world, you have these ancient statues and images of kings that represented this divine kingly authority. The kings were images of God, and then you had these images of the kings that represented this divine rule. But the royal image of our God isn't a statue, and it isn't just a king. Psalm 8 says that all of humanity, each of us, are God's delegated royalty. This fact has lots of implications. If all are royalty, then even the weakest, least impressive of us deserve royal treatment. The unborn, underprivileged, immigrants, refugees. And if all are royalty, the power that we give to governments, kings and prime ministers is relative and can be called to account But the main point that this psalm makes about this royal privilege, this royal authority, is that we have an authority and responsibility over creation. And here it's a responsibility especially for the animals. You see that list of animals in verses 7 and 8? And it's not just an authority to do whatever we want, but under God to care, cultivate, and nurture our creation and its creatures. So if you want to live authentically, it means recognising and embracing this royal responsibility and authority to treat each other royally and to take the, a, a royal responsibility over our creation and its creatures. The problem is, though, that... We don't really seem much like kings and queens, do we? The recent images of the millions of animals killed in the bushfires are a horrible testimony to this. And whatever the specific causes of the fires, a changing climate, mismanagement, the severity of the fires and their effects are at least partly our responsibility and we need to repent of this kind of thing. And beyond this, our greed, consumption and desire for comfort continues to exploit the earth and its creatures, driving thousands of species to extinction every year. 
Some of creation is indeed under our feet, but we're trampling it. And so much of it is out of our control. We're powerless before fires and storms, natural disasters. And so there's something seriously wrong with this picture of authentic humanity. We ought to praise God with our lips and lives, and we do sometimes, but too often we praise ourselves. We seek strength and power and value in anything but the name of God. We ought to humble ourselves before our Creator and Redeemer, and we do sometimes, but too often we humiliate others to exalt ourselves. We ought to treat each other like royalty and take loving responsibility for our creation. But we also exploit people and other creatures. And so that's why it's so important that we have the royal one, our Lord Jesus, who is a completely authentic human on our behalf. He became this picture of authentic humanity for us. His life and lips perfectly praised his Father in heaven. He embraced frail human existence and lived in dependence on his Father in heaven. He became a weak, suckling baby and died humiliated on the cross. And he has been royally glorified at God's right hand and he holds all creation together, bringing it to perfection. And so if you want to live authentically, he is the one to go to. He did it on our behalf, but he also draws us along with him. Because when we look at him, we see in more detail how we can live authentic lives in dependence on God. He forgives us of our sin and failure so that we can turn around and he transforms us by his grace, by his spirit, to begin to live lives like this. Lives of praise, humble dependence and royal rule. And so that's why the psalm ends with a return to praising God's name. The final verse, O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Because if we want to live authentically, this, this name, this name is the place to start, connecting ourselves to the name of God in Jesus Christ. Because it's only through him that we can live fully authentic human lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.